Hey folks, this is Car Town Kia Florence. Do you make at least $300 a week? If you said yes, we can get you into a new vehicle. Whether you want to drive home in a new Telluride or new Sportage, our goal is 100% credit approval no matter your history. We have over 20 lenders that want to approve you. Get pre-approved online in minutes with no effect to your credit score. If you make at least $300 a week, drive home in a new Kia today. Visit CarTownKiaFlorence.com to learn more. Restrictions apply to dealer for details. This podcast is sponsored by Cleaner Group. Through innovation and engagement of people, businesses and governments, they aim to eradicate microplastic pollution from all angles. The goal is to spread awareness so that people can make informed choices and be part of the solution. For more information, please visit cleanerseasgroup.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you back to the Naughty Bites podcast for the first episode of Series 2. Today's guest is very special to me. Known for expertise in the beauty and skin industries, Bee Mystery is changing the game for South Asian women. Over the past 25 years, Bee has dedicated herself to the art and science of skin, attracting celebrity clients from all over the world. In addition to V's unique facial massages and personalised approach, clients of Skin by V appreciate her warmth, charisma and individualised treatment. Good afternoon. Well, good morning to you, V. Thank you for joining me today on Naughty Vice Podcast. How are you? I'm very good. If you hear pitter-patters in the background, it's my dog. He's just Bring him oh, on, bring him on. Feeling a little left out. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good, Anisha. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today, for well, joining me. And um, let's get started. Yes, that's you've, you've worked for companies, both in the UK, gone to Paris, and now you're in Canada. You've worked for Elemis, for Saks. You've been a columnist for Onoki magazine. And now you're an entrepreneur. Can you tell me more? Why you left the UK and now you're in Canada? Well, I left the UK for love. <laughs> we do it. Um, but I will be honest, I always say to my husband, I'm like, you know what? You just couldn't find a Canadian girl. So you had to come all the way over the pond and find um I think if you if you asked him, it would be a different story. Um, however, um, I got married to a Canadian, um, hence why I'm here. Um, we've been married a little, uh, well, close to almost 25 years. Um, but in that time, I have gone back and forth between the UK and Canada, um, different parts of Canada and obviously different parts of the UK. Um, but I have been back in Toronto, Canada for almost, I think, 16 years now. So, yeah, this is home for now. Fantastic. But like, have you know, you worked for Alamis and Sachs in London and you've set up your own studio in Canada. What opportunities how have the opportunities presented themselves for you? Was it difficult to do both or do you feel more settled with your studio in Canada? Like, you know, what have you learned from that? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think the whole entrepreneurial thing is in my blood. Um, my granddad many years ago, many, many years ago, um, started a little, um, like, so he was a tailor and so he would make, um, different ladies' clothing, blouse, skirts, blah, 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 and uh, started 
designing that from his kitchen table. Um, it slowly grew into, you know, different factories around the UK. Uh, my dad, his five brothers were all involved. This was a big family business. Um, at the end, before they actually sold uh, a few years ago, I think it was around 2015, they actually sold the business because everybody retired, got older. Um, uh, at that point, we had locations in like Singapore and uh, different parts of Europe, and it was a massive manufacturing organization. So I think in terms of entrepreneur, I think it's embedded. It runs through my veins. <laughs> so I think like I'm always, you know, looking for the next project within my field of work. I'm not that entrepreneur which tries lots of different things. Um, I kind of have my passion, which is skin. Um, and that's kind of what I keep growing. Um, in terms of what opportunities have presented themselves between the UK and Canada, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I don't think I was in the UK long enough, probably, to have a real definite answer on where you know my career has grown more or less. I can't really give an educated um, answer on saying, well, you know, Canada outweighs UK for such and such reason. I think I just know that this is my journey. And whether I'm in, you know, Canada or the UK or the States, who knows? Does oh, cool. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think it's just my passion and my vision just to keep growing um, and reaching as many ears that will listen to me and my my voice of knowledge well you've got someone across two ponds can I say that so I'm on the other side of the UK and I'm listening so it's all good let's try and spread our message as much as definitely definitely so you mentioned entrepreneurs in your and what embedded in your blood inside of you you know you grew up in the UK and a lot of Asian South Asian families were always like you know, the three main things, um, pursue medicine or pursue, I don't know, accountancy and, you know, the typical Indian um, topics that, you know, yes. are safe. Um, but because you're from a family that are entrepreneurs, was it easy for you to get the support to say to your family, you know, over a dinner or over, you know, a coffee? So, you know what, dad, mum, I want to pursue a degree in skin and beauty and science of skin was it a supportive environment or were they the parents that were like okay how are you going to you know support yourself or is it is there a future in this you know what was it like it's really interesting you answer that question so um I, I I think as a young individual during that time um there was a lot of curiosity um around different um jobs and different careers and so I remember at one point I said to my parents I mean I'm I'm 46 so this is like many many years ago and I said oh I want to be an air hostess like that's my thing I <laughs> want to travel and I want to be you know an air hostess and such a glamorous like world I mean who knows what happens behind mm-hmm. closed doors when you look at it, oh, like they're just their makeup's good, their hair's good, their nails on. <laughs> That's what I want to do. And uh, you know, like you said, you point out we're you know Indian, and my parents are like, oh no 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 no, you cannot be like 
not we are a hostess. How how are you going to juggle your family? Uh, mind you, at this point, I'm probably like 15 or 16. I'm trying to have marriage. And, the, and I'm, they're like, well, you know, what will happen when you have babies? And who will be at home? And and I was like, oh, like, but I, I'm not even there. No, 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 you can't do that. And I was like, okay, call back to the drawing board. And then okay. I was like, you know, back in the day, it was like nurses had like these beautiful like <laughs> and the little hats. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a nurse. And I was like, mom, dad, that's it. I know I'm going to be a nurse. And they were like, oh, no, no, no. What, what is the hours? And how will you look after your babies and your family? And I was like, holy moly, like they're really throwing every, every the obstacle. Anyway, I picked a number of different things, which obviously never for my parents did it coincide with me being a mom. Who knows at that point? Did I even want to be a mom? I don't know. I was like 14 or 15. I was living my best life. And so I was like, cool, like no worries. So fast forward, obviously in the UK, you know, we go from secondary school to college, then to university. So my next step was going to college. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a beautician. That's what I want to do. And I think I had probably traumatized my parents with so many different careers. They were like, right, great. She wants to be a beautician. She's on ground level. She's never going to leave her family, which I don't have at this point. She's going to be with her husband. She's going to live in a house with a white picket fence. Yeah, done. Sign and seal. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a great job. You should do that. So I think that decision probably came really easy because they were like, okay, this is like, finally, she's found something that is viable within the Indian culture. So I just let me run with it after that. They were like, yeah, okay, that's good. Second best thing. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> but I love how the theme was family and children and mother. Oh. Always. Oh, yeah. Always. Always. They want to be grandparents. Yeah. That's all they're yeah. thinking about. Yeah. Their next step. <laughs> yeah. But it's so interesting because there was never an emphasis on career there was always an emphasis on a job. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really interesting shift in, in our current climate because yeah. now it's all about career, which adds a level of passion rather than just, uh, you know, a 40-hour week or whatever that looks like and just going because it pays the bills. Definitely. I think, you know, because you said your generation were the ones that were exploring different things as opposed to the generation before so when we started it was a bit easier for us to go I'm not studying that I'm going to do something in food or something in I don't know sports because it was so different but the opportunities were more open as opposed to two generations above you know and I think and I think your generation and ones before made it easy for the rest of us to go well you know I'm going to become a pilot and yeah and that's what I'm going to do. So it has presented more opportunities, so to speak. So thank you. I can give you the tenor back. It's all good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so then talking of like 2022 and opportunities we're just talking about now, what has life taught you this year in terms of yourself and growing and your business? Yeah, um, so I think I'd have to answer that question um, from like backpedaling to 2020 okay. because 
2020 was when we all globally went into a pandemic lockdown. And I think in our day and age, we haven't, we, I mean, yes, we have wards, but not significantly to the point where we're going into shelters and so on and so forth. And, you know, knock on wood, and we're very grateful for that, you know, that safety, Mm -hmm. I would say. But I think 2020, when we did go into a global lockdown, and we were like, oh, wait, your life literally stops in a blink Mm -hmm. of an eye. And nobody has any ability to have any leeway on movement. Mm -hmm. It as a esthetician, as a facialist who provides a service which is hands-on, touching a client face forward, um, that obviously, you know, proves to be a huge challenge because I can't touch anyone now. Um, I can't be in person with anyone. Well, how do I still continue my business uh, without having to say, okay, well, I need to change my career because that was never an option. My career is my passion. That's what I live and breathe every day when I wake up. Mm-hmm. So I think what the pandemic taught me was how do I creatively build a business that will be safe enough to be able to share messaging around how to look after your skin and the health and the well-being of it without me having to touch it. And so that, I think, allowed a deeper conversation and a step back to really reevaluate the business as a whole and how, as facialists, we kind of navigate through this new journey. And so during that time, um, I mean, we have an e-commerce platform, which we're very grateful for. So we ship, you know, everywhere. We do skincare, we do beauty tools, we do supplements. So that obviously allowed revenue to carry on, you know, coming through. And then I, you know, launched virtual consultations. So just guiding people on how to look after their skin and with the current climate and the stress levels being that much more heightened, you know, what are some of the things that you're noticing on your epidermis that isn't just necessarily coming there um, because it's a skin thing. It's more of a, you know, stress health issue or a gut health issue. So it was really just kind of uh, again, broadening my horizons by offering alternative, you know, services, which didn't require me to touch a face and be with it. So I navigated the business and totally flipped it. Um, I think what I learned from that was to create balance in my life. Okay. And I think it really made me sit back and say, you know, in a blink of an eye, your whole world can come to a standstill. So all these plans that we've made for the next year, and I'm traveling here, and then we're going to do this, and then my kids this, and we've got to attend this, it all stopped. And so it made you, it made me be more present in that moment, it made me say, I need to have balance. So working from home, living at home, how do you create those boundaries where you can say, right, I'm working, and now I've switched off my laptop. And now I'm a mama wife, or I'm V where I need to like, just decompress at the end of my day. So I yeah. think it, it just allowed me to create balance is probably what I've learned. Mm. that was a beautiful story just listening and your passion was just coming through of like 
your emotions. It was really nice because I think people forget that. And I think now that COVID's, COVID's still around, people have still yeah. continued working from home and they've lost the ability to disconnect work and home life because they think, well, it's easy. I don't have to go anywhere. But I think it's important, like you said, stop, balance and be the person you want to be or be the mother or be you know be the friend or just be yourself and I think that's so important for your mental health as well you know 100% you should I totally agree to that like I think it's such an important factor and it allows you to run on full steam rather than on which I feel like a lot of us ran on empty we ran on fumes we did and I think you know I think People now are understanding a bit more, and I hope as well for some of us that we do have the balance of okay, I'll go to the office two days a week. I'm just gonna stay home another couple of days. I don't have to go either 100% here or 100% there. It's nice to have the balance of both, and you know, yeah. I hope people still continue that and businesses, you know, embrace that as well for their employees. So I think that'd be really cool. So my next question for you. For those of you or one listeners that do not remember, your experience led you to Chris and Stephen. And I remember that I remember your videos. It was really, really was fantastic. As a beauty and skin expert, what has that experience been like for you? Um, in terms of uh, being on the lifestyle show, yeah, being on the lifestyle show, but has it also helped you? in your future like you know future ideas or things for you want for your business you know like being one of because in in North America you are one of the skin experts to go to but has that experience of Chris and Stephen presented more opportunities like that for you and you know what did you learn from it yeah you know it's interesting so I remember so you know being on the Stephen and Chris show which is you know a lifestyle show that was aired um, probably almost, I don't know, like 14, 15 years ago. Um, it's not an instant gratification. And what I mean by that is going on the show, being the expert, talking about whatever the topic was at the time, didn't naturally just progress into, you know, people booking facials or people visiting a website to purchase whatever it was that I was talking about. And that was really interesting because mm-hmm was my first exposure to tv and so people look at tv and they're like oh my god you know such and such is on screen which means that it naturally just turns into dollars and and it's not always the scenario and I remember um when a few months later I you know started writing for Anoki and I remember speaking to my editor-in-chief um Henna and and I said to her goes it's really strange because you know you write and you write these things and you're like right putting it out in the world or you speak on television and you put it out in the world but you don't know how the person hearing or reading it is receiving the information. So you're doing it and you're like, well, did you like it? Does it make sense? So it's a very, it's a very stressful place to be because, you know, you start looking at yourself and you're like, did I do it right? Did I not? Should I have done something different? And um, it can be a real like rabbit hole because you can start spiraling 
and thinking, oh my God, like I'm absolute rubbish. Like nobody likes what I say, you know, <laughs> you don't know that because yeah. you don't hear the, the feedback. I mean, you hear it from, I've heard it from my husband and my children and, you know, my family and friends. And, you know, my mom would be like, oh, Betta, I'm so proud of you. And mm-hmm. that was love. But your family is your family. Yeah. So, you know, are you like being biased now? So it was really interesting. Um, you know, you, you, I think I had to, I went, I did the two seasons and it was wonderful. Um, I didn't go on after that just because the show um, pivoted into other directions and then they mm-hmm. progressed. There. But I think it's it's a very, it's a really superficial world Mm. it's really and I say that and I sometimes think oh I shouldn't have said that but that's the truth of it it's very Mm. super and it's in that you know three minutes of being on air or you know some writing an article and it's in print or it's on you know screen and then that's it but you don't know what's going to come of it in terms of opportunities that came from it um I would say it just allowed me to know that I can keep hustling. I think the mm-hmm. hustle is something that I've naturally always had mm-hmm. and it doesn't scare me to hustle. It doesn't scare me to work really hard. So I knew like, oh, this was an opportunity that was, you know, given to me and I took it and I embraced it and I enjoyed every moment. But how do I keep moving forward? And I think it's always just to be creative and you know, watching how our climate is changing. Mm-hmm. And now such social media people where everything is, you know, a free for all. We mm-hmm. can see everyone's doing from our favorite celebrity to, you know, somebody up the road who is our friend or a neighbor mm-hmm. or whatever. I think it's just really interesting. It just allowed me to keep saying, right, this is the next thing I want to do. And then this is the next. There was no limitations for me, I felt. That's amazing. That's amazing because when you said it became a bit of a rabbit hole, it does become a bit of an occupational hazard. And, and like you say, you know, so as an editor, I know the feeling of, was that right? Did I edit correctly? Will they understand that? Or is that Spanish into English or English into German? Like it's constant thing because. You're sometimes a self-doubt. I'm like, like you said, have I written it correctly or is it the right terminology? And it does become an occupational hazard. But you realise when people go, oh, I read this article and yeah, it's it's great or whatever. But like you said, I don't share this with my family because your family or your family and they'll always say, this is amazing and well done. It's nice to hear it from other people, you know. And I think that's when you go, okay, I'm doing what I'm doing. It's great. So continue yeah. it and look for other opportunities that present themselves as well. So yes, agreed. So leading on to that, I I feel like representation for South Asian women in the community is notably limited in the skincare and beauty industry. You know, racial diversity has always been a hot topic of discussion. However, in skincare and beauty products, they've be- they've started becoming popular. More South Asian women are in the media. As a business, what has changed? What has that change been for you in in, in Canada and, and you know globally? So yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I think there is more 
people like me within my industry are we at you know are we like on par with all the other you know races if that's you know what word we're using I don't think so I don't think so I think there is so much more room for us to grow and to keep on growing you know I still don't see people like me enough on my you know searches or founders or founder stories or you know and and again I talk about this in my own industry like Mm -hmm. I still you know will still see makeup artists who are talking about makeup over skincare and most of them will be white like I don't see Indian people you know being able to talk about it um and skincare wise same thing you know there's only uh less than a handful that I'm seeing slowly come up um so you know that's that's challenging because again as an entrepreneur I have this vision and I have the hustle and I have this dream and I keep on you know moving at 100 miles per hour but there are those odd times where I'm like oh my god like you know I've got this like am I where I am I where I'm needing to be like am have I like I know I've got far but have I got Mm. far enough and then you do start comparing yourself to other people and I try not to do it and only from like the odd times but it's it's hard hard. you know it's really hard and people don't get it and people will be like well like you know you've achieved this much this is amazing and you're like yeah but is it like is it to you because you're looking at it but is it where I need to be like am I representing my community to be able to empower them and you know for them to be able to take this platform and you know excel and take it to the next level I don't know I I am but I don't know but there's not enough of my voices I believe that when I was doing a bit of research um into the skin and beauty industry before this podcast session and I put in, um, you know, South Asian women, skin experts globally, or, or you know, beauty experts globally. And in all honesty, um, Af- you know, Africans and Asians and um, practically Africans and Asians were in the same bubble. And there was like one in Nigeria or one in Canada or, you know, one in India. But then when you put in beauty experts, you'll see a long list of everyone in Europe, in North America, you know, in in the USA. And then you're like, oh, so are we doing enough? And when someone says, I believe that, someone says, oh, you're doing well. And you're like, well, no, I should be doing the same as somebody else in terms of, you know, you are equally an expert as somebody else that could be white, you know, yeah. is white. And for someone yeah. to say, I feel like, oh, well done, but you're here. Yeah. It's like, well, no, I'm I'm equally as good. My 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 life has been this for like over 25 years. I I'm changing the game and you are. You're changing the game for so many South Asian or even coloured people. But there is always, I feel like we should never stop. Because if we stop, we stop learning and we don't achieve anything. And we need to grow and find more opportunities and grab them because yeah. 
you know, we are also equally, if not better, in what we're doing. Because if you have passion, you'll excel so much more because you're not doing it as a, a job. You're doing it because you love it. And, yeah. you know, it's, I think it's difficult. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's really interesting. Like right now, if you probably look, there's a lot of like, you know, larger skincare houses, which are bringing on different facialists, mm-hmm. uh, it's like their ambassadors. And and I think it's lovely because, you know, as facialists, we have the knowledge, the science backing, um, you know, our, our conversations and our recommendations on yeah. why you might be experiencing a certain skin condition or how to look after their skin when they're away from us and what ingredients and what products to use. And so you have these, you know, certain houses which are, you know, you know, creating these partnerships, paid partnerships. And when I look at those companies, majority of them will, you know, do these paid partnerships for a year with these different facialists. But so far, every facialist that some of these companies have picked, which I've been watching, are all white. Yeah, but it's curious to say that because, you know, it sounds really bizarre. It's really difficult to find product ranges for our skin type because a lot of them, I know, aren't always tested on different skin tones. And so I remember when I lived in Alicante, my skin, wait, actually you know about this, but, you know, my skin suffered terribly I tried everything under the skin and so after I spoke to you and I was like, look, I need help. I've tried everything under the skin. Nothing is working. And then it's wonderful for you to find these products that work, not just on across all skin tones, because it's so difficult in the industry to find that. And the only place I actually really did find that was when I was in Singapore and in Thailand, because it's a, their products are tested and brands under you know, the continent of Asia. And it's difficult because you can't find that in more Western countries. And it's hard. Yeah, it's really interesting. So um, a couple of years ago, um, you know, up until now, I actually thought when, you know, companies say we did clinical trials for, you know, this serum and we saw, you know, 90% reduction in fine lines and wrinkles I was like oh my god that's amazing and in my mind my naive mind mm-hmm. I thought they were doing these clinical trials on a broad Fitzpatrick scale meaning everybody from blonde hair blue eyes all the way to you know African-American skin tones so everything in that Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. and I actually realized just a few years ago as I was building and curating my own skincare companies that I wanted to be able to retail within my own location, um, online and in studio, that a lot of these companies were only doing clinical trials on blonde hair, blue eyes. And I was like, oh, so, okay, you noticed a 97% reduction in fine lines and wrinkles on the blonde hair, blue eyed person. But what happens to the, okay, my hair's blonde. I pay a lot of money for it. (laughs) (laughs) The point to this is that what happens to the Indian girl? What happens to the Indian guy? What happens to the African-American or the Asian? Like, yeah. where, where where are those people? And so you're just not going to do the trials on them because why? Like, it doesn't matter. That really got my blood boiling. And there were companies where 
read their clinical trials, their white papers, I was like, uh, no, thank you. Um, it's great that you have this science and the backing, but the fact that you in today's age are still only doing your trials on white people, like that makes no sense to me. Yeah. And and you pardon my French if I'm using the wrong terminology and I always just want to be really mindful, but I'm just being very open and just yeah. very in, you know, how hard it is. And it still is changing. Like big massive companies are still only saying, right, we're only going to test on these people and then everybody else will just have to figure it out. Yeah. Like really? I find that curious, but it speaks so much, so many volumes when you say it like that, because as a person, you, when you read 99%, you know, um, fantastic rating or whatever it is, and then you get people like, oh, oh fantastic. It's that naivety of, yeah, brilliant. It's got to work on me. And you're trying it, you're trying it, you're trying it. And you're like, wait, hold up. Who do they test it on? And that's when you realize thinking, we have a small percentage of companies or brands that we can use as opposed to the bigger, like the bigger companies, the bigger names. And I think it's such a shame because so it becomes a money pit, you know, and yeah. it, it's such a shame. And, but well done you for being a game changer in the industry. So I think it speaks a lot of volume for people all over going, ah, oh, these have been tested on X, Y, and Z, and it should work because if you're doing it, then, you know, what you're supporting is what you're preaching as well. What you're saying is what you're preaching. So well done. And so that leads me to my next question. You have created an inclusive brand, right? And you've, you've created your own Skin by V Cryo uh, 6. Yes. That attracts a wide audience of people. How are you different from your competitors? Yeah, so it's interesting. So um, I created um, my Skin by V Guasha Cryostics, and I wish I had them in front of me. So I apologize, I don't. Um, but the tool was created literally within my treatment room. And the tool was created because when I was doing facials, um, you know, I would see so many people struggling with some level of inflammation. And when I talk about inflammation, it will present itself as acne or pigmentation or congestion or, you know, uh, redness or sensitivity um, or even premature aging. And so all of those conditions are somewhat related back to a level of inflammation. And People were, you know, throwing every product on their skin to try and control whatever it is that they're struggling with. And a lot of times it wasn't just one thing, which was, oh, if I, you know, throw on this exfoliator or this peel or this mask, it corrects it. It is more deeper rooted. So I always do look at, you know, stress health and gut health. But what I found was people were using products solely, just ingredients to try and counteract that and sometimes actually making it worse. So increasing that trauma to the skin, whatever that condition was, and then furthermore compromising the skin barrier. So you're never fixing it. You're just maybe creating a little bit of a Band-Aid, you know, effect and it, it heals for a little bit and then it goes back 
to where it was. And so I, for quite a number of years now, I, all my facials are delivered cold. So, you know, it's cold products. Um, it's um, using modalities, but again, cold. I never steam. I never use hot towels. And all of this cryo was literally allowing my clients to leave my treatment table and look like they're balanced, like they look even, they look glowing. And even if they did have acne or pigmentation, it looked controlled. And so it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I'm a big believer of massage. I think even one to two minutes a day, just always upwards and outwards, doesn't have to be complicated. It's such a healing um you know, time, not just psychologically, but also the physical action of it. And then putting in cryo, which is as cold as possible, whether that be through your products or through your cold water, um, that was, again, helping further assist this controlling of the condition. So there was always these, you know, different tools. So there was like different ice globes and different rollers and, Mm -hmm. you know, washer by itself and but all these tools only would do one thing at a time the washer helped sculpt and lift but the challenge with that was every single person that I spoke to when they said they had a washer tool I asked them if they knew how to use it and they said no so you're using something and you have no exactly. idea and then there was like people who were using these ice globes these like little round ball things I and saw feels great so you've got the cold but when you have inflammation the water that is contained within the glass ball warms up because that's what happens inflammation is emitting heat so now you're warming up so your cryo delivery is such a short span of time and so that kind of led me to thinking like oh like if I could only just like combine the two which is massage and cryo and I'd worked with like different like ladles like different like spoon like um you know sticks but again they were so oddly shaped that you could never get into the crevice or into areas which was smaller so you could never like really lift and nor could you really go into these areas to help with calming capillaries and stuff like that and so that was the birth of the gua sha cryostick and as I started using it not only are we able to sculpt and lift but we're able to deliver the cryo because within the ladle there is a gel padding that is embedded in that so when you leave this tool in your freezer, it freezes the gel, gel padding, which allows for a longer delivery of cryo. So that was the birth of the gua sha cryostick. And what was really interesting is I've always said this to clients, you know, when people talk about pores and they're like, oh, I hate my pores. They're so big. They're so big. And so over the last, you know, couple of years, well, I think we've launched them, it's going to be a year in, at the beginning of November. But as we've launched them, and more people have been using them, and my clients who have been using them diligently at home, I actually noticed that their pore sizes decreased. Mm-hmm. And I said, to them, like, do you find like your pores are less pronounced? And they're like, yes. And I would always hesitate when people would be like, this minimizes your pores. I'm like, there is nothing that can minimize your pores. But the gua sha actually bring everything. It, it plumps it out because we're sending that surge of oxygenation. And I literally have seen clients' pores 
minimized. The texture become more glass-like. If you struggle with lymph, it helps really sculpt and lymph and drain that away. Um, pigmentation, acne. Acne is massive. Like if you have those pustules and papules which are red, inflamed, and, and, and clients have said to me, I used it last night while I was watching my Netflix and woke up this morning and I would say, confidently that it has reduced the acne um by 50 percent by 50 like that is insane but are you not impressed by something so simple that you've designed has had a major effect on so many different aspects of people's skin correct and so to offer a solution that can you know deliver a result for so many different skin concerns and for those individuals who have none of the above but just want to use it as preventative like that to me is check like I did my job and I've and a solution that is not overwhelming because that was a big thing that I was hearing oh I have you know this tool and this LED light and this microcurrent and the gua sha and the this and the roller and the this and then and when you ask them like do you know how to use it because my goal is always to educate my client that is in front of and every single person said no like nobody knew how to use the tool so I created a tool which literally feels so natural in terms of improvement, that that's all it is. And I do a crap load of tutorials on my social media. So that always helps. But yeah, like the tool is insane. And, you know, I, I'm so proud of it. And I've given myself the permission to be proud of it and to celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah. But, so. but it's, it's curious to say that because... I've grown up, so I've known you for over 25 years, possibly now. So I've grown up, and you've seen my skin develop in all these years. And you're beautiful. (laughs) You have to say that. (laughs) No, No, but like, what I found was, it's really difficult. So I've lived in Europe for quite some time now. But what I found was, when I had my problem with skin, I went to so many facialists leaving and always doing the facial experience I'd always feel like annoyed because I'm like it doesn't feel relaxing I I don't know what you're doing to my face and I found one clinic unfortunately they've closed because the woman retired but she was incredible and I left feeling like wow my skin there is a difference but any of the sort of experience I've had I don't enjoy it. I know I need a facial because I like to go once a month, but I don't enjoy the experience because they're using different products on my skin every month. And I'm like, okay. And and I remember like going to you and you gave me the list of this is what you this is what you have to do. It's the only product, like the only thing that's made a significant difference on my skin because you were analyzing my skin and go, Anisha, like you need to do this and you need to do this. And I've still carried it on. And even during my pregnancy, coming out in skin hives and hot flushes, and you're like, put everything in the fridge, keep it cold, and do the upward lift. It stopped. It stopped after two days. I stopped getting it. And I was like, That's oh, my God. It was, ridic- it was ridiculous. And I was going to all these people, and I find it really difficult that you say you're a skin expert, 
but nothing's being treated and it was just really frustrating and for me it's, it's frustrating because you live on the other side of the world but yeah you are my go-to person to go look you know my skin and um please like fix it because I've been to so many and that's, it's a shame but I still go to one of the massages and it does help lift my skin but it, it's a shame that when someone is creating a service, they're not really getting to the root of the problem to go, ah, we need to fix this or fix that, you know? Yes. I think there's a couple of things that people don't realise is what you see on the surface of your skin is coming from here and gut health. And stress health and gut health have a huge impact on what we see on our epidermis. Mm -hmm. I think we're a society where, you know, we have, things given to us instantaneously so that instant gratification when we need to take time to help heal or rebuild things we're not used to that and I often say this um, to my clients like I think Amazon has probably been the worst thing in our life because Amazon has taught each and every individual that you can click a button and then the next morning when you wake up, your clicked button that you ordered is at your front doorstep. So that instant delivery has taught the human that everything is instant to us. It's given to us on a plate. Your skin is an organ. Mm -hmm. It is not what you're struggling with has been there for quite some time. Therefore, you know, a two-hour facial is not going to instantly fix that. Yeah. It's going to help, you know, heal and 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 start balancing you, but you have to commit time and you have to know you're going to have to take time to to help heal and rebuild that. So I think that's a big key. And then, like you said, you know, when you left that facial that you were completely in love with the esthetician, you internally felt like, wow. And so a lot of my clients will refer to me as a skin therapist, because not only am I working on your skin, but sometimes they're, you know, talking about everything under the sun. And it could be from, you know, challenges with having a baby and going through ITF and you know losses of family and friends and loss of a job divorce um you know so many different things and that can add such a huge impact to what happens here so yeah. when have the ability to also speak about this and me treat them that feeling of like you know it feels like weight's been lifted that's what skin therapy should be because we're treating you as an entire being rather than just here 100 because when you said amazon it's like instant this instant that you're right it requires commitment because when i remember coming to see you my skin was in such a state of sunspots um mm-hmm. acne for some reason because of the humidity where i lived And when you saw me the following year, I was sending you updates of, oh, my God, look at my skin. Since then, my skin has never been back to that condition. But I noticed that when I do go to the coast, in two days, my skin, again, goes terrible because the humidity for my skin is not that great. And But because I keep up with sun cream 24-7, like, all the time, and if I've got makeup on, put the brush on, that's going to be the sun cream brush. There's no excuse, it's on. 
Um, and all the products you suggested, my skin is so soft and it glows. And when I put makeup on, I don't really put blusher on, like not blusher, face powder on. I'm like, oh, yeah. I just put blusher on, I'm out. And lipstick. And I don't mind that I've not got foundation or concealer on because I'm like, my skin is in good health. And like I said, it's from the inside out. Yeah, so thank you. I love okay. this. <laughs> so, because of your ability to change people's lives and your experience, you've become North America's go-to celebrity, like, like facialist, therapist. Wow. How has that been for you? Because people are trusting you yeah. in the TV industry with the skin. So how did yeah. that approach like work? You know, it's insane. I think um it's it's something that you know I mean I've been doing this for like I said 25 plus years so I started traditionally steaming and extracting and pushing and prodding and doing all these things which were taught to us at school that we had to do because then that entailed that being the best facial but over the years I remember you know, I couldn't understand when people would be like, this is an acne facial, this is a, you know, anti-aging facial, this is this, 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 and sub, you know, putting people in these like headings, like subheadings, that never sat right. And so the, my point is, there was a lot of different things that in my gut didn't sit right with me. And only since I would say probably around 2015, was when I kind of, felt confident in my own self by saying, you know what? No, like I'm going to challenge this. And I did do it secretly, you know, in a more subdued way when I would work for other companies and I would challenge like when the reps would come in and they'd say, right, product A, B, C, D, one, two, three, four, that this is how you, how it works. And be like, oh, but wouldn't it be better if you put, you know, four and A together? And they'd be like, no. Never do that, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like I would like be paying attention to the action of the ingredients rather than the action of the product, and that was, I guess, the differentiator. So over the years, and then you know, as I said, 2015, I kind of found my voice and I was like you know what no like I'm okay with this like I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do this and this is how I'm going to approach my facials. And I remember it was around like 2016 when, you know, I had priced my facials at a certain price point and people, you know, not everybody, but some people questioned it. Well, what do you do that grants you the ability to, you know, charge that amount? And I said, well, it's my knowledge. It's my experience. Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you that you will come and have this facial for two hours, and it will be the best two hours of your life. Mm -hmm. And I knew that my ability to deliver what they have been struggling with for so long was 100% there. And so I think through that, it allowed me to be confident. And, you know, as with age, I think I have become more confident in my own skin. And that's you know people would challenge different things that I did or why I do it that way and and I found my voice and so to your point 
you know, currently I do have clients who fly in to see me and I do do clients who, you know, walk the red carpet. And recently we had Toronto Film Fest, uh, International Film Festival. And, you know, I was so honored to be able to work on so many different faces, you know, from directors to screenwriters to, you know, people you would know in a heartbeat, but unfortunately I can't mention their names. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, and I was so honored and I, it's because I feel like I have confidence, like a hundred percent confidence to be able to be vocal and say, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm, and I, I say this often, like the ability to have somebody whether it's the first time or, you know, multiple times, lie there on my table with their eyes closed and never say, well, what facial are you doing? What is this next step? What is this next step? What is this next step? Literally just lie there and put their entire trust in my hands and my knowledge. I am so eternally grateful for the opportunity to be able to continue doing that because I really do know, like, you know, somebody who is a perfect stranger would never get pretty much butt naked underneath the sheets, close their eyes and let me do whatever to their face. Yeah. And the fact that I have the ability to be able to do that every single day, I am so humbled by this opportunity. I'm so grateful. And somebody up there is looking after me. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> That leads me on to my penultimate question, actually. So for many of us, it's a journey to fully under, understand our skin. It's a process it's a process of trial and error. What was your skin understood moment? You know, the moment that you felt like, I've got this, I can do this. And what advice would you give to yourself from when you first started? If you're looking back, what advice would you give yourself? So the first part of the question was what, sorry, repeat the first part. Yeah, of the, so the first part is, you know, it was trial and error. So what was your skin understood moment? Like the feeling well, my, that you, for yourself, that like you've got this, what you're doing, you've got this because you've just gone on to the clients that you've had, you know, your business, you've, you've had your business for so many years prior to COVID, but what clicked and you went, yeah, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm cooking. I'm kicking ass. I'm kicking ass. I'm doing. I'm kicking butts. So, please tell me. Ninety <laughs> percent of the time, I would say I'm like just focused, and and that just keeps me, you know, moving at the right speed, mm. so I don't get over. Ten <laughs> uh, percent of the time, there's like, oh my god, like, do I got this? And, and I and I think you need that ten percent to check yourself, so you don't get too cocky. Yeah, that that's that's my thing. I like so that. I feel, yeah, I feel like there's ten percent somebody else somewhere in the universe, whatever that higher being is, holds on to, so I don't get too cocky, and and it keeps me grounded. And and I don't know when that happens. I don't know what happens, but it happens every so often. And I'm like, right, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, okay, I've got to focus. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And most of the time I'm just focused and I just know that I've got to keep moving. And if I keep moving, I'm going to be all right. So that's, 
yeah, the I hope I answered that. Yeah, there you did, definitely. And my last question, um, what's next for V and Skin by V? Um, well, what's next? Okay, so you guys heard about my guasha cryo sticks, so super excited. Um, we ship all over the world, so make sure you head to my website and, and pick them up. <laughs> um, I am I am actually working and I have been working on Skin by V um, products for a couple of years. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I am and I have been working on that. And so that will come soon. Um, I'm a perfectionist. I want to make sure that every single thing that has Skin by V on it will be like 100%, you know, done in in such a responsible way that you know everybody will enjoy the actual experience of whether it's a tool or a product um and deliver a hundred percent of the results so that that is in in the works and I'm working with um a chemist and I have been for and for some couple of years like I said so I'm super excited about that um Skin by V itself will just keep growing. Um, we are in in the planning stages of 2023 now. Wow. So we have a lot of new projects that we're looking to grow into. Um, so I cannot wait to keep sharing more and more with you guys. Um, for V Mystery, hmm. <laughs> um, I think for V Mystery, it's always the one thing, which is, you know, I want to remain present. I want to, I want to give myself the permission and the ability to enjoy everything that I do, um, whether it be, you know, career or, you know, personal. Um, I want to travel more. I want to, you know, just enjoy more of life. Um, you know, I have beautiful friends and family, a very small um, community that I completely trust with my whole heart and I love them to bits. Um, but yeah, for V, it's always, you know, bringing balance to my life. Um, it's continuing to enjoy life and embrace life, whatever whatever happens and I'm busy like my my I have three kids they're all growing you know two are at university the other one's heading off to university next year so you know it's it's busy me and my husband are you know looking at what's next in in our world in you know where do we want to be what do we want to do where do we want to travel to where do we want to explore so I'm so excited for life and that's, I think that's beautiful that's yeah. so beautiful. I'm not like leaving with this huge grin on my face and I'm like, that's so poetic. <laughs> but it's, it sounds really um, organic, if that makes sense. It, you know, it's organic and it's warming. And I think it's important for, you know, I'm excited about your skin range. Um, and like <laughs> the fact you take time for yourself in your journey, but also for your for your business. And I think, you know, I can't wait to see what 2022, 2023 and 2024 brings for you because I think it's going to be one fantastic roller coaster, but an exciting, exhilarating way. So 
V Mystery, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. <laughs>